Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. And um, I have lots of thanks to give. But right now, <laughs> I am your host, <laughs> Jordan Porter, and joined by the wonderful, amazing Yvonne Brandenburg. Oh, God. I love when you do that intro because I'm just like, yay, I am not as cool as you think I am, but I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, we hit it off. I mean, I'm, I mean, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares if other people don't think we're cool? Hashtag I'm a nerd. Exactly. (laughs) (sighs) You guys, oh man, before we get into the episode and all of our like shout outs and stuff that we got to do, I got to say like how nerdy I felt doing this episode. Like I was so excited. (laughs) messaging Yvonne and I was like I don't know why I'm enjoying this so much <laughs> and I posted that that punny pun on Facebook oh my and god I was, I was so proud of myself hey my, you I know just my- want everyone to know that that 100% was Jordan <laughs> I was like oh god okay my cousin texted <laughs> me and she's like dude I was dying laughing I was like <laughs> I saw that and I was like wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it was pretty funny <laughs> And and then we got another like goat video and I didn't mean to be punny. Aww, it just, it just comes natural to me. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I love it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> enough about being proud of myself today. Oh my God. <laughs> Cause you actually got a bunch of stuff done while I was at work. Yes. Yay. I was. And everybody was busy like at work today. So like, I didn't have anybody to like distract me and like text me all day. So we had our wonderful Facebook welcome post that's been getting every time we do that, we get like more and more comments. It's been like, I think it depends on the week. Some weeks it's like kind of crickety <laughs> and then other true. weeks it's like, Whoa. Okay. Like I think this week, everybody was very outgoing. Not everybody. Yeah, but a lot of people were, lot very of people outgoing. were super outgoing. We had, this blew my mind. We had several like comments from people from the Netherlands. And then we had like someone from Portugal. I was like, which I mean, like, I know we've been international, but it's like, just different when they actually like have a face and a name. Cause like on the app, like when we look at the app, right. It just like gives us like, it shades in the country and says, yes, yeah. you have a <laughs> listener there. And you're like, cool. Like, is that a like, spam bot thing? Or is it or a like, real was person? It like, an <laughs> like maybe right. it was an accidental download or like <laughs> they thought it was a human internal medicine and then they're like, ooh, we're out. <laughs> I always wonder about that. I'm like, oh no, nope, not, not yeah. a human internal medicine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like the name of our podcast is pretty specific. Yeah, except you know, if you maybe if you speak a different language, you don't realize what this is true vet tech means this is true i I don't i don't know (laughs) maybe everybody is in the veterinary field but but anyways it was super cool seeing people from the netherlands and and portugal um you know and 
it's kind of cool. It's like, it's not just, it's not just like our friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had several more reviews this week, but we're only going to mention a few of them. Um, we, we have to spread them out a little bit. So if, we do, if we haven't mentioned yours on the podcast yet. Believe me, they're coming. We just didn't want to do them all at once. Cause we want to, you know, it'd be like a whole a episode bit. of right? reviews. Oh my gosh. Which is also very amazing. So I do love and thank everybody for leaving us reviews and we will send you stickers as soon as we figure out who you all are and send us your info. Yeah, I think I've got um, most most of them figured out by now. I think there's still a couple mis- miscellaneous ones like the specific one that we're going to talk about that um, I don't know who it is. So uh, if this particular one sounds familiar to you, um, just send us an email or send us a Facebook uh, message. So that way I can make sure we, we get the um, sticker to you because I, I have plenty of them to go around. So if you want a sticker, you know, yes. reviews on whatever your app is that you're using to listen to the podcast. If you know, you have an app where that's difficult or you can't figure out how to do it. Cause there are some that are very difficult for that. Um, you can also, uh, you know, share the group or the podcast, uh, with other veterinary, um, you know, Facebook groups, if you're in a Facebook group, um, but make sure if you do that, do not break their rules about posting because we don't want anyone getting in trouble or sharing about the podcast. Um, and then screenshots are amazing. So we can figure out who, who's what, and it is the honor system. So please don't steal someone's you know post and say cheers when it's not (laughs) some of our fans have already gotten their stickers and that's exciting yeah there's a couple of the international ones that i think are taking a little bit longer um and unfortunately i i don't know how long it takes to ship um but hopefully they'll they'll get there soon so yeah so our first podcast this week is titled Love with lots of ease. Um, <laughs> says I love these podcasts. It helped me it helps me understand a little more about some of the most common things we see. The Cushing's one has to be my favorite. A few months earlier our beagle was diagnosed, so it helped from both a personal and professional standpoint. Thank you ladies. I'll keep listening. Um, this is from CM Bingham. I this is the one that we don't know who this review belongs to so please if this belongs to you like let us know um so we can get you a sticker and then the next review was titled thank you i feel like you guys just speak my language entirely it's so hard to find podcasts that do that and that's from destiny brown um and thank you because man i love when people tell me that like it feels like I'm speaking to them, like that they like understand it so well. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes I get worried. I'm like, Oh, is it too much? And, but so far everybody has really, you know, embraced it. <laughs> so <Yeah>. uh, woo-hoo! <laughs> I imagine if people don't like it, they probably just don't listen to us. <laughs> probably. That's probably very accurate <laughs> versus just telling us, but I don't know. Right? I don't think I could change the way I describe things very much. Um, this week though, we are discussing, we're going back to basics. So this is the start of our new series. So yeah, if you didn't catch my pun, you know, cause I'm punny, I basically <sighs> said you're in for treat because we're talking about the <laughs> urinary system this week. Well, that's right. The next six weeks we're talking about urinary tract diseases, but this week we'll be talking about the basics, um, the entire urinary system and all the functions it 
does and possesses for the body. Um, again, I, I don't know Which, why I had so much fun writing these notes. Like, <laughs> well, and I think the urinary system, you know, when we, when we talk about it, it's a huge part of internal medicine is, you know, especially when we're talking kidney disease or in bladder infections or, you know, there's, there's just, there's so many things with the urinary tract that, um, we're just involved with. Yeah. Um, so it's in it, but it's also, it's nice to kind of get back to basics a little bit. Oh yeah. Like um, I dove in deep to like how the <laughs> kidney functions, like versus nice. just knowing like the parts of the kidney. Like I was like, I want to make it clear, like what, where the blood goes and like what it's doing. Um, <laughs> so I had a lot of, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with this. <laughs> um, we do have a really, really great like reference for this on the internal medicine for pet parents website. Um, so that's internal medicine for pet slash urinary. There's a cool video on there about how kidneys work. And that mm-hmm. is, I'll put the link for that in the show notes. I did not look to see if there's a magic school bus episode. I'm sure there is. There probably is, but not off the top <laughs> of my head. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, I think I found that urinary, um, video. I found it a while ago when I created that urinary page. Yeah. Um, I just really liked how it it does break it down really nicely. And yes, it's geared towards humans, but humans are mammals and kidneys are kidneys are kidneys. So, um, you know, it, it pertains to what we talk about. Yes. Um, so the urinary system is basically made up of the kidneys, duh, because we've talked about it a couple times since the start of this episode. Um, That's true. The ureters, the bladder, and the urethra. And then um, the kidneys are located retroperitoneal to the abdominal cavity. So they're not actually in the abdominal cavity. They're outside the parietal peritoneum, which is between the perine- peritoneum and the dorsal abdominal muscles. So yeah so like if you if you were to do abdominal surgery and look there you know you would see that that covering over the kidneys that keeps them out of the abdominal cavity right so it's yes it's located in the middle abdominal portion of the dog Mm -hmm. but they're technically in a different cavity so yeah it's it's interesting when we think about that but it, they're not in the abdominal cavity yeah which is i trip. think i've seen like an fip cat that had retroperitoneal like ascites like his fip Ooh. fluid was like around his kidneys and around his kidneys only mm. it was really interesting um and so now every time i think about the kidneys i think about the sac like that <laughs> around the kidneys mm. I'd be a trip to see that. Yeah. From my FIP cat. Um, <laughs> the kidneys are cool though. I don't know why I put this fact in there. Like it really doesn't <laughs> make a difference in medicine, but I thought it was cool that the kidneys actually move with the movement of the diaphragm, which I did know. I, I think it's cool that the, the kidneys move. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I picture them just being in the place where they're supposed to be and not actually moving around in the abdomen. So that's, um, you know, it's kind of cool. And, when, and the diaphragm's moving when you breathe. So it, I mean, I guess it makes sense because they're all tucked in. You want to protect them with your rib cage. And so it, it makes sense that they're moving a little bit with the diaphragm. So they're, aside from the fact that kidneys can move, um, <laughs> <laughs> there are, which also 
to go along with this. So I actually read this and I don't know why I didn't write it in here, but the purpose of taking abdominal films um, on the pet's exhale is because the liver can stabilize, it can stabilize the right kidney just because of the location with it. So when a patient exhales, it anatomically kind of puts the kidneys in a sim like in similar positions so you can so radiologists can see it better. That's why they prefer it on an exhale. Hmm. I read that in a book. It's so funny because I just assumed that the reason you want for an exhale is that things are a little bit more like spread apart instead of squished. But I mean, that makes sense that for where yeah. the kidneys are. Yeah. Yeah. Versus on an inhale, you'll have like the left kidney up by the diaphragm because it's moving with it. And then the right kidney will still be kind of near the liver because the liver is holding it more in place than the hmm. left kidney. Anyway. That's interesting. So there are three main functions of the kidney though. So filtration of blood, reabsorption of substances that the body finds useful um, to put back into the bloodstream, and then secretion of waste products from the blood. And I think one of the big things to remember about the kidneys, right? The kidneys regulate how much blood volume is in the body mm -hmm. because it's like when there's high blood pressure with happy, normal, healthy kidneys, high blood pressure, um, triggers the kidneys to actually diurese, right? So we let some of the fluid out. So we get more normal blood pressure. Um, so that's kind of the filtration part of it. Um, and if you have lower blood pressure, the kidneys go, oh, no, hold on. I need to retain some of that fluid so that we build up blood pressure again. Again, this is happy, healthy kidneys. Um, and then, you know, the kidneys help reabsorb, like, especially electrolytes. I feel like that's the big one everybody talks about, but salts and stuff like that. So yeah, there it, and you know, there there's, there's glucose and there's all sorts of stuff that they filter and take out what they don't need goes out, you know, secreted out versus stuff we want to keep in gets reabsorbed by the little capillaries and put back into the bloodstream. So mm -hmm. it's, I, I, I think the kidneys are super fascinating and fun. So, yeah, I, like I said, I had a lot of fun, like relearning some of the like cellular stuff on this one. Yeah. The kidney has basically like three main layers. So the outer layer is the renal cortex. The middle layer is the renal medulla. And then the renal pelvis is the inner layer, which leads to the ureter. Um, the renal pelvis is lined with transitional epithelium. So that way it can stretch. For us in internal medicine, I think we look at the renal pelvis a lot. Oh yeah. Because it can stretch. And when it's stretched and it's dilated, you know, we go, uh-oh you know, we're suspicious of infection or something like that. So on ultrasound, we can actually see it getting bigger. Mm -hmm. Or if it's really big and really stretched out, we look for something obstructive. And we'll talk about that in a couple of episodes. But it is kind of interesting to see that it does have some stretch and some resilience. And then the middle layer, the medulla, like that's, I, I don't know, I think of the medulla as like the workhorse of the kidneys. And the cortex is where the capillaries and stuff start and where, you know, we filter. And then the core, the, the medulla is like fine filtering. 
Yeah, sense. yeah. And then the pelvis basically is just where the dumping ground. <laughs> yeah, the dumping ground. And because yeah. it can stretch, I think they call it filtrate, right? Yes. Um, but fun fact: cows don't have a distinct collection area like the renal pelvis. I don't know where it goes. Apparently, it just goes like from the kidney straight to the ureter. There's no like little funnel area. Wow. I'm not a large animal person. I'm sorry. That's I guess I should have gotten a little bit more information on that fun fact, but <laughs> I did a lot of other research today. I didn't have time to look into cattle kidneys. Into that rabbit hole? <laughs> yeah, because I would have gone in. Um, mm-hmm. Then other makes makeup of the kidneys are the renal artery and the renal vein, the hillis and the ureter. So the hillis is the area where the blood, lymph vessels, nerves, and the ureters enter and leave the kidney. Um into yeah. the bladder it's like in the renal pelvis area yeah and i think i think like that's kind of like i know when i'm, I'm picturing it in ultrasounds because we see a ton of ultrasounds mm-hmm. right so you see the kidney you see the ureters and then you you can you can see the arteries and the veins and stuff so it's kind of that yeah they all the go stock kind of, that yeah. the kidneys hanging from yeah it's like the trunk of the kidney <laughs> yeah 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 that makes sense. Um, so the renal pelvis sits within the hillis. So the hillis is like, it's really just two names for basically the same area. Yeah, but the the, the renal pelvis to me is is that the inside that open part. space. Yeah, yeah, the open space where the the urine like urine filtrate yeah. right um, where it collects. It's like the collecting space. So when we're talking about the renal pelvis, the the blood supplies, the lymph vessels, nerves, and all that stuff is part of the hillis. Like it's all, again, it's that stock of the, the kidney. Um, so that makes sense when you kind of think of it that way. Yeah. And then within the kidney, it's made up of like hundreds of thousands of little microscopic filtering and reabsorbing and secreting systems called nephrons. The nephrons are like the brain of the kidney. It does all the work. (laughs) Um, and nephron is composed of a renal corpuscle, a proximal convoluted tubule, a loop of Henle, and a distal convoluted tubule. Man, we are going back to basic anatomy and physiology. Yeah, and uh, and, and it is it hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands in cats and dogs? Yes. Okay, because I think in humans... Because I think that's in the video. I think there's over a million. Oh, I'm sure. Per, per kidney. Yeah. I mean, it, and these are just, they're, they're so tiny, right? These are one cell layer thick. Yes. Um, because you want the substances to move across like osmosis and all that stuff. It's um, why we had to learn about it in school. It, it, because in the kidneys, this is what's happening. You know, when we talk about the things we're trying to get rid of, right? We go from an area of high concentration to low concentration. Like that's exactly what happens in the nephrons. We want to get rid of the BUN. We want to get rid of all the stuff that we don't want. So it crosses that membrane because of higher concentration, lower concentration, or um, there's molecules that go across. So like that's the pH and stuff like that. So it's really it's really cool because it puts together all some, all that stuff that we had to learn that we didn't understand. (laughs) And we're like, Oh, this is why we had to learn that. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to kind of like break it down a little bit more into like what each portion of, I mean, we're going to talk about what 
the portions of the nephrons do. So the renal mm-hmm. corpuscle is located in the cortex of the kidney. And then within the renal, I mean, like, it's just like, you know, a kidney is like, like when you picture the kidney, like section. Yeah. But the kidney is like a box within a box, within a box, within a box. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the little nestling doll. Things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are those? I mean, like the Russian, <laughs> like the Russian dolls. I think they're um, called Russian nesting dolls, but I could be totally wrong. I think so too. So let's back up then. So in the kidney, there's a nephron. In the nephron, there's a renal corpuscle, um, an approximal convoluted tubule, a loop of Henle, and a distal convoluted tubule. In the renal corpuscle, there is a glomerulus and a Bowman's capsule. <laughs> I love, I remember reading about this in school and I was like, at first you're just terrified because you're like, what the heck is a glomerulus and what the heck is a Bowman's capsule? And where are all these things? (laughs) And you're like, I don't even understand. But like, if you think about it, right, like the glomerulus is this ball of capillaries because again, we want it to be one cell layer thick to help Mm -hmm. with things moving across that need to. So the glomerulus is just think of it like as, as like a capillary bed, right? Like when we think of mucous membranes, there's capillaries there. And that's just like, there's a bunch of them so that the things can move out of it. So mm-hmm. then the blood flows through it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like the, the ball. And then the socket part of it is the Bowman's capsule that sits around the glomerulus that it lets that, um, filtrate and stuff that that is expelled and and from the bloodstream through the capillaries and then to the bowman's capsule right Mm -hmm. so then the bowman's capsule takes the stuff from the bloodstream that went through the glomerulus and then puts it into the rest of the kidneys Mm -hmm. which is really cool yeah like i said box inside a box inside a box (laughs) um So the renal corpuscle has the function, like it functions as the first stage of urine production by filtering blood. Like that's the job of the renal corpuscle. And that's done by the glomerulus and the Bowman's capsule kind of working together. Um, The fluid filtered out of the blood is called glomerular glomerular filtrate. And this this is where like, if you have seen it and you're like, what the heck is that? glomerular filtration rate yes sound familiar to anybody that's totally what this is about how quickly can things filter out of the blood into the glomerulus that's a glomerulus filtration rate yes and then the glomerular the glomerular capillaries they have high blood pressure in order for it to be able to filter blood properly and it's only about 30 percent lower than like the blood pressure within the aorta like so that's not that's crazy kind of intense actually it's crazy because when you think of how tiny those capillaries are like you would expect that like blood pressure like that would just like low amount yeah which i mean we'll talk which, about it when we talk about chronic kidney I, disease I was gonna say, you can you can kind of see that like when we look at the kidneys and you see an infarct I yeah mean, that's that's like in so an infarct is where you have um, basically like a rupture of the blood vessel, right? And it causes trauma, it causes tissue damage. Well, afterwards, it causes scarring and necrosis. So when mm-hmm. we look in, you know, on an ultrasound, it's that weird like divity thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you can see like this line of scar tissue and we're like, oh, that was an infarct. Well, 
that's because you probably had really high pressure, like blood pressure, right? And so if we're talking about the capillaries having similar blood pressure to the aorta, well, if there's high blood pressure there, you could easily blow out a kidney, which is, oh, easy. Again, with chronic kidney disease, one of the big problems. Yeah, exactly. And like it's talked about with anesthetic risks and stuff all the time that you mm-hmm. really want to monitor blood pressure because of things like that. You can cause an infarct or you can cause permanent kidney damage with elevated blood pressure if you're not controlling that while under anesthesia. Elevated um, or too low. Like yeah. you have both sides of it. Yeah. It's like a fine balance, like of like walking on <laughs> a tightrope. It's homeostasis? What? <laughs> the body likes homeostasis i think that's why i like the kidney so much is because it's so close to home with the homeostasis stuff oh, that i'm yeah. just like i love it um i mean it makes a lot of sense but you just yeah. have to break it down and and yeah you have to break it down to, in order for it to make more sense yeah yeah <laughs> that makes if that makes sense <laughs> so the pressure <laughs> within these capillaries helps force plasma out of the capillaries and into the capillary space of the bowman's capsule and what that does is when that plasma comes out of those capillaries into that space that allows it to get rid of waste and then we'll talk about it a little bit more but then it has to the, the body has to determine what it wants to reabsorb and like i said I'll talk about that here in just a minute. Um, but within those capillaries, there's tiny little pores that allow more fluid to leave the bloodstream. So th- things that you want to leave are like excess water, excess waste, um, proteins you don't really want to leave. So we'll talk about that. But like if there is damage um, to those- Then larger things can leak out. Exactly. So if there's damage to those capillaries and those pores have kind of ripped or they've gotten bigger, then proteins and blood cells can leak into the glomerular filtrate. Um, And since there's no way to actually get those back into the bloodstream, that's when it shows up abnormally in the urine. That's when you see that um, proteinuria that we see so commonly with our chronic kidney Mm. disease, which again, we will talk about a little bit more when we talk about chronic kidney disease, but (laughs) um, that's caused from usually like high, high blood pressure can actually cause those tears like within the capillaries and the pores that can cause the leaking. That totally makes sense. When you have high blood pressure, like everything blows out. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like your hose again, garden hose, right? If you have (laughs) like your favorite analogy, (laughs) it is because it makes the most sense when we're talking about blood vessels, right? If you have too much blood or blood pressure or water pressure in any kind of hose, eventually it gives out and it blows up yep if you've ever seen a garden hose explode you know what i'm talking about (laughs) so the things that your glomerular filtrate are supposed to contain are like the waste products but as well it also contains substances that the body doesn't necessarily want to lose and that includes like our sodium our potassium calcium magnesium bicarbonate glucose amino acids and then again of course water like we don't we want to lose some water, but we don't, we don't want to lose all of it because mm-hmm. that does still need to rehydrate the body and it's good for the bloodstream in general. Um, so reabsorption is really important when it comes to filtering out all of those substances too. Um, because the key is these substances are, can either be transported or move, or they can move passively back through osmosis or diffusion across the cell membrane. So the body's got to kind of tell these specific nutrients 
so what determines the like what gets reabsorbed though is the electrical charge of mm. these products ions substances ions, yeah exactly all that stuff yeah i'm not gonna go into the nitty gritty details on that right now because we only have so long to talk about this <laughs> right <laughs> And we are not doctors. <laughs> no. And let's be real. I, I mean, kind of stick with what I'm interested in when I write these notes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, yeah. But typically. <laughs> Just but, remember, this is like, we're ions and anions and yeah. cations. And well, that and like, if you remember though too, like potassium, like you got, we all know like what the abbreviations are. So like sodium is Na plus and potassium is K plus. Like that's the electrical charge and the electrical mm -hmm. charge determines what gets reabsorbed or um excreted. Yeah, exactly. Um and typically about 60 to 65 percent of those substances, substances <laughs> are re reabsorbed back into the proximal convoluted tubule. Um nice. yeah I hope that like was simplified enough again I, I you know the video if you're a visual person because especially with like filtration and stuff like that the video is really cool because it does go through it and so you can see you can see it um and it'll it'll help put things together mm -hmm. too so so once we are into the proximal convoluted tubule, this is actually the longest part of the tubular system of the nephron. I feel like I'm one of those like tour guides on a zoo like, <laughs> excursion just because of like and how I said here, that. <laughs> and here we see the proximal convoluted tubule. Exactly. Dude, I could totally <laughs> be like Miss Frizzle. Um, oh <laughs> but the cells within this proximal convoluted tubule. And just for the sake of my mouth right now, I'm just going to call it the PCT. Um, <laughs> but they have the cells within there have a special like brush border. So instead of like a nice circular smooth cell, it's like, uh, you know, those starfish with like a million legs instead of just like five. Mm. This mm -hmm. is what I picture. Right. Well, and it's, it's, it's increasing surface area. Exactly. Right? Which is especially to... important for reabsorption and secreting functions, because if you have more right. surface area, you're able to grab more of those electrical, mm -hmm. electrically charged ions and things to bring them back mm -hmm. into the cell. Again, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of these teeny tiny little tubular systems um, to filter your blood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which I have it somewhere in my notes here about how, how long it takes the entire body's blood to be filtered. Um, it's not it's, that long. No, it's mind blowing. I love it. I can't wait till we get to yeah. that part. <laughs> I'm like, um, <laughs> but this is the area where glomerular filtrate becomes tubular filtrate or otherwise known as primitive urine. Ooh, primitive urine. I know. It's like wild urine. Fancy. Really? Because I, <laughs> I picture like caveman. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's like, oh, it's got a fancy term. Primitive yeah. urine. Um, <laughs> and then, so then the PCT continues into the loop of Henle mm. and then descends into the medulla. So now we are out of the cortex and into the medulla in the loop of Henle. And then... And that's the big like U-shaped loop that you think of when you think of nephrons. Yep. 
So then when the loop of Henle makes a loop, it heads back up to the cortex. So mm -hmm. it goes from all the filtration goes. So again, most of the filtration of the blood happens in the cortex. And then you're going from the cortex to the medulla back up to the cortex. And then, so the descending portion of the loop of Henle has similar cells to the PCT with the brush borders, but after the loop, the, the cell walls thin down and then they lose the brush borders into simple squamous epithelial cells. And if we look at urine cytologies and stuff like that, we know that we see epithelial cells and squamous cells. And some of those cells come from different areas of the urinary tract, which is why it's kind of important to know where they potentially could be coming from. Um, and then it goes back up to the cortex. The walls get thicker again, but they do not regain the brush borders. Yeah. And this is just all about filtration and, and, and absorbing and getting rid of and yeah. all that fun stuff. It gets thicker because when it gets back up to the cortex, those cells don't really want to lose anything else. They've already, mm -hmm. they've already been filtered. Um, they've been processed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yep. So then it goes into the distal convoluted tubule or the DCT for the rest of my mouth function here. Um, <laughs> and then this follows a, like a twisting path through the cortex. The distal convoluted tubule from all the nephrons in the kidney empty all into the collecting ducts. Like all of these mm -hmm. just, there's tons of them. Mm -hmm. Again, there's hundreds of thousands up to millions of nephrons. So it's crazy to think like we're talking about one nephron right now. <laughs> right. But does this happen yeah. happening simultaneously through a ton of them? Um, and then the collecting ducts carry the tubular filtrate through the medulla and then empty into the renal pelvis. Mm -hmm. And then these collecting ducts are actually the primary site of the antidiuretic hormone or ADH action. Um, and they play a really important role in urine volume. Um, also plays a role in acid-base control, potassium regulation. Um, that also takes place in the collecting ducts as well. Yeah, and ADH is is a very interesting hormone um, because if it if it's activated or not activated, that that tells the kidneys do we want to keep fluid or get rid of fluid? Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I will tell you the, a really interesting fact. ADH um, is blocked by alcohol. So when you're drinking alcohol, literally what happens is you're binding to the ADH site. You're causing it to not be able to work, which is why... You pee all the time? If you drink, that's why if you drink enough alcohol... You have to pee so much. That's crazy. I didn't. Yes. It's all about ADH. Alcohol binds to it. Alcohol is like, <laughs> yeah, right? And then so, so this is why you have to drink water to prevent yourself from being dehydrated until the alcohol releases that receptor site and lets ADH do what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. And ADH is actually released by the... <laughs> ADH is released by the posterior pituitary gland. So in the brain. Um, and again, that's one of those like negative feedback loops that we love to talk about oh so much. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then aldosterone is also secreted by the adrenal cortex. And then both of those work together and are responsible for the majority of urine volume regulation. So like Yvonne was saying, which makes total sense. Like if, if 
If you don't have ADH, if you don't have the anti-diuretic hormone, you're just going to diurese, yeah, right? Exactly. That's what it means. Anti-diuretic means you don't let it diurese. So if you don't have that hormone, the body doesn't know to retain that fluid. Mm -hmm. So all that water just goes out in the urine. Which is why um, our um, diabetes insipidus dogs, they typically have a brain mm -hmm. tumor, which is blocking the pituitary gland, which yep. doesn't allow that negative feedback loop to tell the body like to start retaining water. It's not allowing that antidiuretic hormone to actually work like it should. Exactly. But again, we'll talk about that when we talk about diabetes insipidus. <laughs> <laughs> which is not today. <laughs> we'll get back into ADH. I'm sure in even more detail, <laughs> like a couple of probably episodes. at some point, <laughs> um, ADH acts on the distal convoluted tubule as well as the collecting ducts, just to promote that water reabsorption. So this prevents water loss from the body. Um, but like Yvonne said, if ADH controls lost water, not, will not be res resorbed and will be lost within the urine. And then that results in increased urine volume output. So polyuria. Dun, dun, dun. It's amazing how it all just like works together. You're like, wait a second. I feel like um, garden hoses and alcohol uh, and um, I believe toilets were some of my staple things. To remember um, all this stuff by? To remember and to, to teach my students about. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And they used to make fun of me because I, again, I'd be like, let's talk about alcohol in class. And they're like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but everybody understands what that means. Like, well, because you if can you haven't experienced it, you know, someone who has, yeah, you can put it to a personal experience, like exactly. which makes it easier to understand. Exactly. All right. So blood flow through the kidneys. We, we talked about a little bit like through the kidneys. So the function of the kidney again is to clear waste products from the blood. So up to 25% of blood pumped through the heart goes to the kidneys. Um, crazy. Yep. All circulating blood though within the body passes through the kidneys every four to five minutes. So blood is filtered every four to five minutes. Like all of your blood has been filtered. Yeah. Which is, uh, you think you'll take all longer? the blood in your body goes through your kidneys every four to five minutes. Yeah. That's insane. So insane. It's crazy how efficient the body is well that and like so every time your heart pump or yeah your heart pumps blood 25 percent of that goes to the kidneys like a quarter of your blood that has been in your heart the moment it beats and <laughs> goes to your kidneys to get filtered it's crazy i don't nope. think it's as mind-blowing for everybody else as it is for me but <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it is mind-blowing when you think about it is it is a very simple system yet very complicated. Like it can get messed up super easy. For how complicated <laughs> it is, you just wouldn't think it would be that quick. I think is mm -hmm. my thing. But mm -hmm. I also live in like the human world and not the cellular world where like <laughs> <laughs> right? You're like, "Oh god, okay." People don't function yep. as efficiently as cells do. <laughs> right? Oh my god, so true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so the renal artery branches off of the aorta, which is again, why there's 25% of the blood it goes through the aorta into the renal artery branches into the kidneys. And you have two kidneys. kidneys. Well, hopefully. Right. Most, <laughs> Most times there are some without it. 
Um, and then so the blood enters into the renal hillis and divides and continues to divide until it becomes a, a series of glomerular arterioles. So just, it's like- Teeny tiny arterioles. It's like my broccoli. Uh, <laughs> it is like your <laughs> we're just going to keep using the same analogies over and over yeah. <laughs> they make sense. you have the stem of the broccoli which comes off of your aorta and then it just goes into like little tiny more and more like vessels yep and then the opposite happens the vessels combine 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 and then it goes to back to the renal vein at the hillis and then goes to the conal vena cava so it's like it's a really short loop when you think about it Mm -hmm. um which is which is why it only takes four to five minutes for blood for your entire bloodstream to get filtered because it's it's aorta kidneys kidneys vena cava vena cava heart like (laughs) it's like cool go yeah, it's so. like the expressway. It is the express without way. the tolls. Like <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. um, so enough about the kidneys. Let's talk about the ureters. Ureters are. I remember in school being very confused by the ureters, which is so silly because I think they seem so unless simple you now. have. Well, yes, very much so. But I think without medical knowledge, right? Like the ureters like nobody talks about the ureters this is true it just kind of right? straight they talk, kidneys, about, like, they talk about kidneys bladder and urethra like they just skip the ureters all together this which is, is true kind of weird which is crazy too because you know how many like ureteral stones i've seen yeah and when like, people people talk about ca- passing kidney stones i'm like yeah it's painful when it's in the ureter yeah that's where it's painful but nobody talks about it the poor ureters are so like middle child like it's they just are the middle <laughs> child oh so sad i know we love you ureters don't worry <laughs> oh, um, we definitely do but they can have so many problems like with ectopic ureters like i think that mm. that's just like the middle child acting out they're like i don't want to go there i want to go here instead <laughs> like they're like fine you don't pay attention to me we're gonna cause some havoc <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh goodness um, middle child ureters. So ureters are made up of transitional epithelium again, which allows it to stretch as urine passes through them and into the urinary bladder. So, and they can stretch a lot. Yeah, um, dude. It's if so you've ever scary. seen like a stone in a ureter, it is insane how much those ureters can stretch before there's they like rupture. It's, it blows my mind because like they'll get so big and like, it's one of those things too, when you see it, you're like, how long has it been like this? And why is this dog not more painful? And like, (laughs) yeah, the smooth muscle layer of ureters propel urine. And this is with peristaltic contractions, which I don't know why, like, I never really thought to think that the ureters had contracted just because I guess I always just assumed it was like a straw and it was just like, like a passive thing. I, I mean, I, that makes sense when we think about it, because again, stone anal- analogy, right? When you have a kidney stone that's passing through it, it's not just the pressure from the urine or filtrate stuff behind it that pushes it, but it, the, the ureters are also trying to help get it out. Um, 
Yeah. Which is why, which is why we give some like medications to help relax smooth muscle. Right? Yeah. Because that is smooth muscle to try to get it. Yeah. And it just out. Yeah. It allows sitting there. Well, that and too, like, I guess I never really thought about it, but this allows those peristaltic contractions allow urine to move down into the urinary bladder, regardless of the position of an animal's body, which like, I didn't think about that, but like, yeah, if it didn't contract in a dog's laying laterally, like, or you're doing a headstand. Sure. Um, but like (laughs) the urine should just like, it would be like that, like ileus, like, I wonder if ureters get ileus. Wouldn't that be interesting? Hmm. I mean, probably. <laughs> I mean, probably. Oh. Hmm. If anybody knows the answer to this question, let us know. Yeah. Um, Ureter ileus. <laughs> but yeah, if there wasn't peristaltic contractions, then like if dog's laying down, then like what would make urine actually leave the kidney and go to the bladder versus just kind of like chilling there? Yeah. Just like kind of sloshing back and forth. Back and forth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that would be horrible. Yeah, that would be. (laughs) Um, So when the bladder is full though, so the bladder, the kidneys release the urine, the urine goes down the ureters into the bladder. And then when the, the opening of the ureter collapses, when the bladder gets full and this prevents urine from backing up, but those peristaltic contractions are actually strong enough to force urine through those collapsed openings. Oh, so they become like a one-way valve. Yeah, exactly. Oh, smart. I know, right? Evolution is amazing. Right? So yeah, aside from the ureters being completely underrated and amazing, (laughs) uh (laughs) like what does a bladder do? So (laughs) I mean, you don't have to have much of a bladder, but it's fine. Exactly. Like, so the bladder is lined with, (laughs) again, transitional epithelium so it can stretch as the bladder fills with urine. Hmm. I think of, I mean, the bladder to me just feels like a balloon. Yep. Right. So the bigger it gets, the thinner those, those cells look, um, versus like when they're, you know, when there's not a lot in there, it's that thicker. Yeah, exactly. Which is why when we're ultrasounding, so like it like always happens when we ultrasound dogs that come in for urinary problems, for some reason, clients always let them pee before they come in. And I'm like, you're like, thanks. Stop for that. Doing that. We want to see the bladder full so we can actually <laughs> see the thickness of the wall layer, the Ugh, wall layering. Yeah. Because if there is like disease, it can be thickened. But when the bladder's mm-hmm. empty, it looks thick. It looks thick. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Because it's all collapsed in on itself and it's like, it's supposed to be. And you can't thicker. see if there's any polyps or abnormal, like thickening in one spot versus the other. So yeah, it, and we've, we've actually, especially for urinary patients, we'll sometimes just like make them hang out for a little bit and be like, yeah. sorry, we, we looked, but we really need a full bladder before we can yeah, that's what we, well, that really too, evaluate like, the bladder. We want to try to evaluate like the fluid that's in the bladder. Like if it looks all like mm-hmm. junky cellular, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So the functions of the bladder, though, are to collect, store, and expel urine. Um, and then, so yeah, like Yvonne was saying, it was like it's like a balloon. So the round part of the balloon goes up into the body, and then the goes cranial. Yeah, and then the neck of the bladder is like where you blow all the air in. Um, it's like and the that's opening the of the balloon. Yep. Yep. 
And then, so the urinary sphincter is actually located within the neck of the bladder. I think a lot of people think that the urinary sphincter is like at the end of the urethra, but it's not. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say, you want to make sure, well, and it makes sense when you're thinking about the fact that if it's too full, it can cause that valve thing. Because if they're, if it's in the ureter, that just doesn't make sense. Right. So you want the sphincter to be part of the bladder and we want the ureters to go in at the neck of the bladder not the, the like the body the of bladder, the bladder the body yeah the, the body apex of the, bladder. of the bladder the apex of the bladder thank you because the apex of the bladder is moving constantly mm -hmm. right it's either really caudal because it's empty or it's super far cranial because it's giant so we want to make sure you know that the ureters attach at the neck of the bladder because that spot in theory doesn't move too much mm -hmm. and then you've got um the sphincters that are there and and so which it's, will it's interesting because i've actually seen a patient come in um because it was like post spay and they were like god it, she just she just pees all the time now yeah so we looked and um the the bladder had been removed surgically what yeah it wasn't on purpose <laughs> so the dog ended up it was like a little chihuahua thing so at least it wasn't a giant dog yeah horrible um but the bladder they had like they had excised the bladder um thankfully didn't touch the ureters or anything like that so, so it just had a neck of the bladder left it had the neck of the bladder and a little bit of the body of the bladder, like just enough for like five to 10 mils of urine. Um, and it was crazy because we watched that patient over a couple of months because yeah. we were like, well, we can't, can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, you can't put it back, but yeah, you, you can't, you can't put it back. Exactly. Especially because it was probably in the trash somewhere because they didn't know they did it at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting though, because it's epithelial cells and they stretch Yeah. over time. It actually was able to stretch out and give her a little bit more of a bladder, which is crazy which is that the body trip. is like that amazing that it can learn to adapt mm -hmm. to things like that. Where like, I mean, that's mm -hmm. what happens in like human cancer patients. Like you have yeah. part of your bladder removed and you get like a urinary bag for a while, but mm -hmm your bladder can actually adapt and like, it doesn't really grow more tissue. It just adapts to allow it to stretch a little bit more than it normally would mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in order to make up for that. And then, which is also cool about the ureters. Well, not cool. This is like the middle child, like sticking its tongue out. at like mom. So when, <laughs> like, nice. when you have ectopic ureters, like because the ureters normally go into the neck of the bladder, sometimes they'll go, like into the into body the, of the bladder or sometimes they'll go down like extra close to the sphincter or like travel to like mm. they'll go into mm -hmm. the neck of the bladder but not go all the way into the bladder and just kind of go along the wall of the bladder and actually like exit out next to the sphincter too and so that's why you get some urinary incontinence sometimes um mm -hmm. it's just like all about where that's emptying like if it's too close to the sphincter then the sphincter is like getting all that pressure like right away versus allowing the bladder to fill right um yeah. so yeah that because that sphincter is located in the neck of the bladder not at the tip of the urethra like it's mm -hmm. it's not urine's not just 
hanging out all the way down your urethra. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Otherwise it leads to UTIs. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So your, yeah, your urethra though is a continuation of the neck of the bladder. Um, and that continues through the pelvic canal. So that's more like stable. It shouldn't be going anywhere. It shouldn't be moving. <laughs> no, <laughs> there should be no movement of your urethra. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, it's also lined with transitional epithelium to allow it to stretch and expand too. Um, so everything within like the urinary tract aside from the kidneys should be able to stretch. <laughs> But the, I mean, the kidneys, the pelvis of the, the pelvis can, can stretch. So that's part of the kidney. So everything stretches. Yeah. But it stretches like at the opening, like at the funnel. Yeah. Yeah. But it still has some stretchability. It does. Um, and you have this in here, which is interesting, uh, urethra. So there is a difference between male and female urethras. Mm -hmm. Uh, the female urethra is just for urine. That's all that goes out. With males, there is that reproductive function as well. So the vas deferens and some of the accessory like reproductive glands um, enter the urethra and pass through the pelvic canal. So this that's very important to think of when we're talking about male, I, I'm going to say dogs because not cats as much, but male dogs, they will get like prostatitis mm -hmm. and that definitely affects um, urination in dogs. And so sometimes, um, you know, like BPH or some of those other things, like we can fix some of those problems with neutering or getting rid of an infection mm -hmm. so that they can urinate more normally. But that's um, too, why we see like on our male dogs, like our special, well, our intact male dogs, like when we're doing a urinalysis, like sediment, their sperm, mm -hmm. like it, it mm -hmm. all comes out the dogs same way. And cats. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So because I remember the first time I did a urinalysis and saw sperm in it, I was like, what is it? And I was like, oh yeah. 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 I was super confused uh, too. I was like, wait, I'm like, <laughs> like bacteria, but not, but wait, wait a second. <laughs> and they're like, congratulations, you found sperm. And I was like, oh, yay. I can see them. <laughs> but it never really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it didn't click until then that I was like, oh, they come out the same pathway. Yeah. So, yeah, vast deferens mm -hmm. are like extra little ureters that go to the urethra. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, they're not quite ureters, but they're ducts. Yeah. And I'm sure they stretch as well. Oh, I'm certain they do. Because <laughs> yeah. why not? Right. All of it's transitional epithelium. Yes. Well, and, and it's, again, the kidney's big function is to maintain blood pressure, right? So we talked about that. And it's also to maintain nutrients within the system. And this is when there's issues within the kidneys, that's when we start seeing like, um, you know, there's the glucose threshold for mm -hmm. diabetic patients, right? So if, if, if there's, what is it? 200 or 250? I think it's, I thought it was 300. I'm pretty sure it's 300. Two to 300. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, the blood glucose goes above a certain number. Well, it's going to start spilling over into the urine because the body's like, I need to get rid of it. And part of that, if you think about it is that sugary substances are very diuresing, right? So mm -hmm. you get that 
polyuria because you have increased sugar, which makes the urine more concentrated, which takes more fluid out of the body. And, and so it, it is interesting how it all plays together, right? You get inflammation, things get mad. Um, you get infections, things get mad. We, it, it's a nice homeostatic balance that we like. So, mm -hmm. well, that, and like, I mean, at times the kidneys, and we'll talk about it, especially when we talk about like bladder stents and crystals and things like that. But at times the, mm -hmm. the kidneys want to increase water intake and dilute out the urine because it, it likes a nice, pretty acid-based balance, um, mm -hmm. which again, like we'll, we'll talk about a little bit, but it, it's interesting though too, because like there is a certain percentage of damage that can be done to the kidneys before you start seeing like a change in the urinary concentration and a change in like blood values, but urinary concentration, two thirds of the amount of nephrons, right? Two thirds yes. of the nephrons in the kidney need to be damaged before we start seeing changes in blood work, which is kind no. of a trip actually. Urinary concentration, like blood work doesn't change until 75%, but urinary is concentration- Is it 75%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dang. And then yeah. urinary concentration will change after two thirds damage to those nephrons, like two thirds of those nephrons are damaged. Yeah, so I think traditionally two thirds damaged for urine concentration mm -hmm. and then 75% for blood, blood changes. Mm -hmm. But I think this is where like the SDMA comes in. Um, plus some of the other ones from some like Antec has another one and we'll, we'll talk about that in the kidney disease. But the interesting thing is those will show changes earlier than that 75% kidney damage. Which um, I want to say, I so think the idea, it might be 50%. Yeah. And, and the idea is if we could catch it earlier, you know, the, the earlier we can catch it and prevent further damage, the better for that patient. Because unfortunately with kidneys, once those nephrons are damaged, they don't regenerate. Um, so if they're damaged, that's it. Like, they're out of, they're out of function, um, and they don't get new ones. Um, and then, you know, the kidneys do, sorry, STMA increases okay. as early as 25% loss of kidney function. Oh, wow. That's, that's impressive. Actually. 25% really impressive compared to two thirds or 75%. Yeah. Which is, which is why SDMA was such a big deal when it came out. It is. I mean, like, it's they're like, Oh, we can prevent it from becoming a really big problem. Well, that and like you can, because cats are very well managed with chronic kidney disease, mm -hmm. you can manage them for a lot longer mm -hmm. because you're, you're catching it a lot sooner. Um, because STMA like reflects glomerular filtration rate, like in dogs and cats. And, and so it's mm -hmm. measuring that GFR to the point where it can tell you if there's significant damage within those kidneys which is awesome because we didn't have that until a few years ago. Yeah. I was going to say it was fairly recent. I want to say within the last five years. I think so. I think it was about five, six years ago. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. Um, Science is cool. You know, it is cool. Hashtag I'm a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll talk about that more too in the, the kidney disease episode because obviously that's going to play a huge role in that. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't function without your kidneys. You can function without one. You can out function without one. But you can't function for a little while. Both of them. Nope. As long as that one's a nice, healthy one. Yep. Yeah, that'd be a bummer. Yeah. Um, and let's see, I think just to go along that, um, kidney transplants. So it used to be like UC Davis was doing kidney transplants for a little Mm -hmm. while. They're not doing it now. Um, I don't know if currently there's any universities that are doing it. Um, cause again, you have to take a kidney from somewhere. Yeah. So another animal. Um, so, you know, kidney transplants, yes, it's possible there. It's just not happening very frequently that and i think a lot of clients aren't financially yeah equipped it's expensive for something like that yeah and it was it was interesting because i know uc davis um at the time when they were doing them you had to uh, adopt the donor cat because it was one of their colony cats Aww. so you got two cats for the price of one <laughs> yeah. that's that's actually kind of cool a really cool program like yeah i like that it's the tip of the week. So I thought for the tip of the week this week, I thought it was pretty important to kind of freshen up on the cellular makeup of the renal system. We talked about it a lot, just like mm. the the epithelium that like is allowed to stretch. But I think it's important too, just to help you understand why you might be seeing certain cells on urine sediment, because sometimes you can be seeing different types of casts, different types of cells that can indicate problems in the kidneys versus problems in the bladder. Um, So I thought that would be a good tip to just kind of refresh your cellular makeup of the renal system. Yeah, especially because I feel like the the longer you're in the field, right, and you see cases and you you deal with them, the more likely you're going to be able to understand it Mm -hmm. compared to when you were in school. (laughs) In school, you're like. I what? Yeah, exactly. Well, that again, it's just one of those things where it's just so much easier to put it with a like put the knowledge with a case versus just yeah. learning it and and expecting to know it for a test. <laughs> so when you live it and breathe it, it makes more sense. Yeah, exactly. When I can be like, I saw that cast on this dog who had a creatinine of twelve, and like his kidneys were like shedding, and like right. Um, you know, not that that was yeah. sketchy at all. And now for the question of the week. We've talked about this before because we have favorite things that we like to talk about. Yeah. But this week I want to know what is your favorite body system and why? What is like, maybe you're an endocrine person. Maybe you're a cardio person. Well, I mean, I know we have some cardio people. Right. <laughs> maybe you really, really love the musculoskeletal system. I mean, maybe. Or the respiratory. Ugh. Maybe you really love eyes. Mm-hmm. maybe not us <laughs> which is also why we don't have our vts in ophthalmology <laughs> no we had an itp dog come in the other day with like blood in her eye Ooh. um and mind you and that wasn't us case but i'm just like your eye needs to go back to normal it's freaking me out right. freaking me out man it's weird when you can see it kind of move oh stop <laughs> <laughs> You're like, ah, ah, that shouldn't be happening. And she, she couldn't see that well out of the eye, but then like, Aww. as her ITP is getting better, like I'll talk to the owners and they're like, she's seeing so much better. And I'm like, that's good. It's, yeah. It's not weird at Body all. Body reabsorbed the blood out of her eye. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So as you guys can tell, 
our favorite system is not the ocular system. I mean, I appreciate the ocular system. I appreciate being able to but see. But it creeps me out a little bit. I'm just saying. They're just so sensitive and it's so like backwards. Mm. I mean, like, I guess it's cool if it, because it goes along with like the like neuro, neuro system that I'm just like, mm. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, let us know what your favorite body system is. Um, you obviously know which one's not ours. <laughs> So I'm sorry if it is yours. We don't mean to offend. <laughs> We're not judging. We're happy when people have different tastes than us. That's that's cool because oh, then yeah. it gives us something to talk about when we do eventually run out of episodes. Which that's will be a very happen, Jordan. It'll be a very long time. We have so many things to talk about. Like even we do. When I was doing like the, I think we have it planned out through the rest of the year. So we do. We're good at we're good at so far. But sometimes an hour is not enough. This is true. To talk about all we'll, the things. We'll we'll dive. We'll do deeper dives as we go in. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for just being committed to us and learning, and we really love it. And it's been very humbling lately, like, uh, yeah. to know that people actually want to take this journey with with us and all the yeah. crazy stuff we're trying to do right now. <laughs> it is. It it. it it validates the fact that we came up with this crazy idea for this podcast. And people are actually willing. <laughs> like, and people are listening to us and we're like, yes, it's, we're getting some knowledge out there. Woohoo! And I'm learning and you're learning and we're all learning. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I freshened up on so many things. That I'm like, dude, I totally forgot about that. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. It's been pretty fun. So thank you all and continue to keep listening. Um, also, this episode has been approved for one hour of race-approved CE. I don't think we, I don't think we've mentioned that yet. No. Uh oh. Well, we kind of did. So, uh, one thing we did is we included the podcast episodes in our race approval. So uh, all of the episodes at this point that we've done have been race approved. Uh, We're just in the middle of making that work. So (laughs) what that'll mean is eventually you'll have to answer some questions and then you'll get a race CE certificate that you can use. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to kind of find out more about that, um, definitely check out, uh, our, our waitlist page for, you know, our courses and, and membership and stuff like that, that we're doing, which is imfvt.com. So internal medicine for vet techs, right? Uh, so imfvt.com, sign up for the waitlist. You'll get a bunch of information um, about how to get your race approved CE certificate. Um, but this one will count for an hour. So you know, you may have just done some CE while driving in your car. I know. Or sitting on a tractor. Somebody just said they listen to us while they're on a tractor. Right. To think people like listen to us just because they like to, but now they actually get something (laughs) out of it. (laughs) Exactly. Not just knowledge, but you actually get a certificate for it, which will be really fun. Yes. So So we'll let you know as soon as those um, are live and you can get them. Yep. So join the waitlist so you can be the first to know when that's available. <laughs> exactly. Because you won't be first to know if you're not on the waitlist. Exactly. So, <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.
All right, you guys, keep getting your learn on. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.